Boat Talk is made possible in part by Atlantic Challenge, home of the Apprentice Shop and the Community Sailing Program, offering youth and adult boat building classes year-round, plus internships, apprenticeships, and marine mentoring for middle school students. Atlantic Challenge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to craftsmanship, community, and the traditions of the sea. 594-1800 or AtlanticChallenge.com. And by the Redfern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for powerboats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island. RedfernBoat.com. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk with Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague is up next. Good morning. Good morning. It's... uh, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning here at Community Radio WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9 and 102.9 in Bangor. Second Tuesday of the month brings around this show, Boat Talk. Boat Talk is WERU's own nautical call-in show that a lot of people like to wave with your rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. And today we have two special guests with us, Eddie Monet of Diver Ed and Karen Francoeur. Thank you. Yeah, Frank Coor. That sounds nice. Uh, Karen is the uh, principal person of Casting Kayak Adventures down in Casting. We're going to hit the water running. We have a lot of subjects to talk about. I'm going to let Mike start it off. Yeah, and the general policy applies here. We tell these people that they're uh, just as much guest hosts as guests. Chime right in anytime, and and, uh, as always, it's Colin Show Boat Talk, and we uh, will interrupt what we're doing and, and uh, wonder what you're thinking this morning. Uh, 1-866-625-9378 is the Yeah, number. and uh, yeah, we'll talk about the top and underneath of the water today, if you like. And we want to dedicate this uh, edition of Boat Talk to Jimmy Steele from Brooklyn. Jimmy passed on last month, and I had a nice, great uh, thing about him, but I lost it, so I don't have all the, <laughs> you know, uh, tribute to Jimmy here. I don't know nothing about him. I was around Jimmy a little bit uh, a bunch of years ago. Nice man. Uh, Jimmy Steele is famous for uh, his pea pods. He built about 150 of them, and uh, the classic main pea pod is really a Jimmy Steele pea pod, and uh, he was down to Brooklyn, and uh, Jimmy was not only uh, good at building little boats there, but he was a tinkerer. He was an innovator, and he would come up with jigs, and he would always he was always finding a better way to build that pea pod, and uh, he was very uh, very innovative at it, and that was his joy, kind of uh, basically uh, fiddling and figuring things. And uh, Jimmy was down to Fly Point, where Atlantic Boat is now, and uh, just a a. Uh, Certainly, and I would uh, guess in the main Boat Builder Hall of Fame, I believe there is such a thing. And, and uh, just an all-around nice fellow, Jimmy passed on. And I'd like to dedicate this edition of Boat Talk to Jimmy. And maybe somebody that knows him better will call up and uh, tell us more good stuff about Jimmy. Because, like I say, I blew it and uh, lost that <laughs> somewhere. But it's like we care. So, you know. Uh, 
Yeah, and there's a couple of interesting things in the news. We were uh, uh, talking a couple of, uh, well, last month, I guess it was, Aza Pingree from over to North Haven called, and his dad has designed a catamaran for Maine Cat that is uh, not a bad-looking thing. I've seen it, uh, pictures of it anyway, and it's uh, being built now. And we were joking now, who would be the first lobsterman to show up in a catamaran, and wouldn't he take a hard time down to the lobster dock over that, you know? And, and uh, we all had a good laugh. Well, it turns out, the uh, current issue of Maine Boats and Harbors has a uh, feature on a boat called Double Dipper. It's forty-four foot long lobster boat. It's twenty feet wide because it's a catamaran, and it's being built down in Yarmouth right now. Uh, designed by Elliot Spalding from uh, Kittery for a fellow named Sid French out of Yarmouth, and it's being built in Yarmouth at Six River Marine. It's again forty-four feet wide and twenty feet four inches wide. We- Probably should explain just what a catamaran is for the people here who uh, say they like the show but don't know anything about boats. Good point. Always try to demystify <laughs> and, uh, you know, determinalize a two-hulled boat. Uh, two, instead of one fat hull, if we, if we could, as a lobster boat, a, a traditional displacement boat, these are two narrow hulls with a platform between them. And it's uh, quite stable, quite fuel-efficient, quite fast. And... Uh, Beyond the fact that he'll be teased unmercifully, although in the picture in the magazine from the side, it looks like a lobster boat. Oh, that's cool. But yeah. I imagine from front on, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, the, uh, now let's think about the lobster fishery. Uh, you know, uh, with or without the resource of the lobsters, you've got your uh, overhead, you've got fuel, and, uh, you know, uh, efficiency of getting from here to there. And, and if you can save on your fuel and get to uh, fishing faster, well, there's a big advantage. And uh, maybe the boys will pick that up if they see these guys whizzing by. Um, the boys who are making this boat may be kind of too cute because uh, they claim that two of them want to fish this boat, register each hull independently. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because it's so fast, they'll be able to haul so many more traps. And is that a good thing nowadays? We don't know. So they're going to motor it? Yeah, it has, it has two engines, and in either, in either hull is a tunnel with an engine on top of the tunnel, and all the uh, uh, outdrive gear is in the tunnel. There's no running gear in the water whatsoever to jet drive. Wow. And if they want to go backwards, they shoot water out the front of the tunnel. If they want to go frontwards, they shoot it out the back. Nice. And off they go. And, uh, you know, they could run over gear at, at will as well, like, uh, you know, the jet boats do, because they have no propeller and uh, no real rudder in the water. So who knows if that may catch on. And like I say, the first catamaran lobster boats apparently... Uh, the the date uh, they said we're going to launch it April first in the magazine there and we shall see about that it has uh, special hauling gear and they will uh, not haul from the side like a regular lobster boat they're going to catch it in between the two hulls on oh the trampoline <laughs> and being twenty feet wide they can haul they can have two hauling baiting stations there side by side that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah kind of yeah. interesting yeah we got a caller already let's go to that good morning welcome to boat talk. Good morning. This is Ron down in Sedgwick. And Hi, Ron. I, I just wanted to make a comment about the catamaran lobster boat. That was in the April Fool's issue, and I do believe that was... Uh-huh. Oh, no, no. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked on me, too. <laughs> really? I got to the end, yes. Uh, I, I thought I read that article with some attention to detail. Did they uh, <laughs> did tweak funny. that at the end? Well, it's, it's really in the realm of possibility. That's well, the... well, it is, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's the conclusion I came to at the end, because to try to haul in between the hulls would be pretty tough. Yeah, it would be. 
Um, but anyway, not catching up on the buoys would be really cool. <laughs> yep. Well, it would, but um, anyway, it might be worth looking at that again. Just uh, we're not shy here at Boat Talk, and I did. Uh, it said right in the uh, magazine. It said, uh, you know, uh, any inquiries on this come through the magazine. Of course, they are an underwriter of Boat Talk, so we get along with those people. All right. Yeah. Right. Main boats, homes, and harbors. Uh, but so I looked uh, Sid French up, and there is an S French in Westbrook. But I didn't call him. I thought of it. Uh, you know, it's funny to call somebody at random on the phone and say, <laughs> "You wouldn't have a twin hole lobster boat, would you?" <laughs> so, but we're not above that, and uh, we'll figure out whether this is a hoax or not. In the past, we had a fellow call here about a uh, cattail boat. Claimed he was building the boat out of cattails, oh, and uh, we believe we were put on about that. We haven't heard from him yet, but we're. Basically trusting an open bunch here, so. It's well, you help. never know. Stranger things have happened, probably. But uh, uh, my impression was that it was their April Fool's joke, and maybe I was wrong. Maybe I just don't have an open enough mind as far as things nautical. Like I said, from the side, it looks like a lobster boat, and if it could demonstrate some efficiency, uh, it just might catch on. It's not a bad idea. Well, I agree. Catamarans are highly efficient, and sailing catamarans have been around for a long time, and power cats are now kind of coming to the front. Look at the uh, cat that uh, goes back and forth between Maine and (laughs) and Nova Scotia at 55 knots. You know, and as Ed being a Bar Harbor uh, water man there, he's seen that thing coming and going more than a couple of times. And Don't forget, I am the person that the state has claimed as the man against catamarans because I had to summon the cat many a times when they first came to town and Friendship 5 and all that stuff. So I like the idea of catamarans, but you still it doesn't mean you can go wide open everywhere you want. And what was the problem they were plowing through gear? No, no, the, with the cat, the problem was uh, her wake, which they claim doesn't make a wake, was coming right into the harbor. And uh, we were having boats damaged, people damaged, and all kinds of stuff. And it was over and over. Even big mega yachts tied up at the floats would lose their, you know, stairs and everything else. Or their coffee would spill in their lap when they were <laughs> <laughs> sitting at the dock. Cat, oh, cat-sized. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, cat-sized. Didn't like they it. run over a fishing boat in, in Nova Canada? Scotia? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they did. But, and that was the big issue, the safety aspect and reduced visibility these guys are just going too darn fast for the fog because their radar doesn't see a smaller boat down in the shadow of their bow. Kayaks. We'll be talking kayaks. <laughs> Do, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, what that brings to mind. Thanks for calling this morning, Ron. we got somebody else waiting on the phone, so just moving right along. All right. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you, it. Uh, Bo Talk this morning. Like I say, call-in show. We'll uh, uh Interrupt what we're doing here this morning, and, and if you give a call at one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight, it's the number here. Somebody else on the phone. Good morning. Yeah. How you doing? This is Steve down Southwest Harbor. Hi, Steve. I don't know about the uh, the boat you're talking about before, but uh, I will say that I went for my first ride on a catamaran last Wednesday. Uh, Main Cat down in uh, Bremen launched their thirty uh, eight foot uh, first power cat in Maine that I know of. Uh, it's going to be a production boat. Yacht, but there's also there's certainly possibility for anybody that wants to lobster with it. Uh, when we were testing the hull down there in uh, Broad Cove Marina, one of the local lobstermen thought pretty good idea, but he said, "I don't know if I could face yeah. everybody down here in the harbor." <laughs> yeah. How did the issue? Hey, it's yeah. Steve Hudson. 
I recognize yeah. the voice. Yeah, you should. How you doing, Eddie? Good. Excellent. Good. It. Uh, I'm waiting to go for a ride farther out. We had problems with it. They got a new propulsion system, a diesel electric system from out in the West Coast. And although it uh, advertised heavily, it's not ready for prime time quite yet. Mm-hmm. But, uh, as soon as it goes, I'll give you a report on how the ride is. What do you think about the possibility of fishing out of the center of that one? I think that's a pretty poor possibility. Yeah. I've already been huh. approached to that idea by a guy down in Rockport, and I just didn't, it just isn't realistic. Huh. Um, the problem with that is you can't see ahead because your bows are high. Yeah. And you can't line it up. And when you do, what are you going to do? Reach over the bow or reach down through a hatch? Um, sorry, I've, I've done oceanographic work, and you want stuff alongside you can maneuver around it and see it. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, I've been lobster. I don't. I, I don't see where it'd be any more difficult to fish off off the side of a catamaran than it would a monohull. Oh, yeah. Right. The only you know. the only problem is you, they tend to be high sided. Um, if yeah. you want to have a continuous platform across, if you don't mind stepping up to a center platform, then you can get down closer to the water on the side. That'd be my only concern. Hmm. Being a traditional, uh, more or less boat person, what'd you think about the? Uh, the shape of the catamaran there, the space that you get from a catamaran, you know? The space is good. Um, the owner down there, Dick Vermeulen, does a nice job of laying out the interior. We planned for pretty decent headroom. It's not full headroom up forward, but back aft you've got full headroom in the, uh, um, in the hulls, port and starboard. Um, and there'll be a house amidships with full headroom, you know, operator station, galley, stuff like that. So it'll, it'll be laid out like a... You know, a pretty traditional boat. It's just a little bit high-sided, uh, but it's not bad. You can look at it on their website at uh, mecat, M-E-C-A-T dot com. And this is the Pingree design boat. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Different nope. one. This is designed by Dick Vermeulen, and uh, I did some of the design work, and I did the computer modeling and produced the hull gotcha shape now. form. Yeah. Is it is so, it glass? I thought you worked with aluminum or fiberglass. Yep. Oh, cool. Hey, I'll do anything I have to do to keep employed, Eddie. Come on. <laughs> Man. Well, I've been thinking about building a new boat, having a wood boat, passenger vessel. Everything keeps getting, you know, more and more expensive. Insurance has gone through the roof, and and um, I've been thinking about switching over. And I've been uh, actually the hull I'm looking at is a uh, uh, 47 feet long and 19 feet wide. Believe it or not, so sounds like the catamaran might work just as wow. well. You get the width up and up forward too. You get a lot more deck area. Um, there are some caveats. I mean, it's um, it, it's sensitive to, to loads fore and aft because the hulls are thin. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, but, again, you can mitigate that to some extent. Um, but the hulls are real efficient. I mean, I, I the shape of this hull, just every time I see it, it just I can just kind of smile because it, it's so, so narrow and so sharp. Um, it'll be interesting to see what it does. We get offshore with it and get out a little bit of a sea. I'm... I'm kind of looking forward to this. What's the beam on those individual hulls? Uh, six feet huh. at the at the deck. They're a little bit narrow down They're the waterline. About as wide as a canoe, basically. <laughs> you get right down to it. Maybe we can yeah, just strap a couple of kayaks with plywood b- between yeah. them. And, yeah, we'll be And style. then you fish nice and low to the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it'd be a little bit damp maybe, but. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, anyways, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'd we'll um, love to hear from you in the future about it, Steve. We have yeah. another caller, too. Yeah, and there's somebody waiting on the phone. Good morning. Right. Thank you. We'll Thank you, you, Steve. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi, it's Gray from Hancock. Hi, Gray. Thanks for waiting. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's interesting to listen to. Um, 
question I've got about the uh, the multi-hull lobster boat is uh, the burn, real burning question is not whether it's April Fools or anything, but what what, what effect would it have on the lobster races down east? That's yeah. important. That's really important. <laughs> That's a good point because if you've got bragging rights for going faster than the rest of the boys, they can only tease you so hard when That's you come right. to the That's right. that come might, to the dock. You know, I think the first lobster bra- boat race that the, that the cat swept would uh, change everybody's attitude a little bit. Yeah. Right. Just and like when the New York Jets won the uh, NFL for the first time. Maybe. You get to tell all those other boys if they could just catch you, you'd yeah, listen right. to what they had to yes. say, but unfortunately. That's right. Anyway, yeah. good show. Keep it up. Thank you, Gray. Bye. Yeah, Boat Talk this morning, uh, 1-866-625-9378 is the number here. And, and we have guests in the studio this morning, uh, Eddie Monet from over to uh, Bar Harbor and Karen Francoeur, uh a ma- it says here a master main sea kayak guide. Yes. Casting the sea kayak adventures. Uh, Casting kayak adventures. Yep. How do you get to be a, a, a master sea kayak? That's a lot of qualifications. Well, yeah. Well, Maine is one of the only states that licenses guides. Um, so there is a licensing procedure. In fact, I run a Maine guide training program for sea kayak guides. And as a master, it's like being a master plumber. You've put in a certain number of years and hours to have that qualification. So I've been running my business for 10 years now in casting. Excellent. And yeah. uh, by by that, we envision a uh, bunch of plastic kayaks waiting for tourists to come along and rent them on. They're ready right now. They have a lot of snow on them. adventures sort of thing? Um, yeah. In casting, we offer um, daily trips, 9 to 12 and 1 to 4. And we do sunset tours. And my favorite is we do Friday night phosphorescent Tour is where we go out and see the the phosphorescence in the bay. It's absolutely awesome. Um, So that is definitely my favorite. We do full day trips. Um, We run a whole series of instructional classes. And this Friday, we're putting on a um, free paddle safety symposium in Bangor. Paddle Smart. Yeah, it's called Paddle Smart. And the whole purpose of it is to reach out to folks and um, get them information that they need to know to be safe paddlers. Um, so that people can really enjoy the sport and find out where to find out information. It's at the Bangor Y in uh, Bangor, Maine, 5 and to 9.30. From the schedule here, I see uh, you're going to spend most of the night in the pool. I'm going to be pretty wet. Mm. Yeah. My, Trying to tip kayaks over and get back into them well, and, it's and not, that sort of thing? It's not real hard to tip them over. It's it's, right. it's the getting back in them that can be the challenge. And um my real goal in the first session, uh, we'll be demonstrating advanced, you know, rolling and bracing and um, cool things that you can do in a kayak. And in the second session in the pool, we'll be demonstrating how different boats function differently. And really the most important thing to understand in a kayak is um, what kind of boat belongs where. And my message that I really want to reach people with is... You know, a sea kayak is a sea kayak for a reason, and one of the things about it is it has sealed bulkheads, bow and stern. And I'm sure Eddie's boats and the sailboats that you're talking about, the lobster fisherman boats, they all have bulkheads. So the boat holds air, so when it capsizes, it doesn't sink or it doesn't fill with water. And so what happens in Maine is a lot of people have boats, and they don't always know where they belong. And so if you take a boat that has no bulkheads, that is open bow to stern then when that boat capsizes, it fills with water, and it's impossible to get into the boat out of the water if you're far from shore. So, you know, people see great little islands out there, and they want to go, but 
with the wrong boat, it can be really unsafe. So that's really how Paddle Smart began to reach reach out to folks with that message. That's uh, this Friday night at the Bangor Wild. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but somebody's on the telephone again. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm Jim, and I'm in Belfast, and I was just curious about ways to make kayaks more visible. I've seen them travel kind of in pods, like a number of them, and I think that's pretty good. And I was just thinking, um, I had a couple ideas, was one to have like a small helium balloon, kind of like a party balloon off the transom, or possibly a uh, kind of like a bicycle flag, but I would... I think both of those ideas might get in the way of rolling. You see the bicycle flags uh, sometimes, and I'm experienced at looking at it. They show up on a radar uh, a little bit, especially if there's more than one of them. But, um, you know, uh, frankly, they're very low to the water. They're not a good uh, radar target. And uh, one of the great things about uh, kayaks and your business is and you can get inexperienced people out on the water. And one of the bad things about kayaks is it's easy to get inexperienced people out on the water, too. So, Well, one of the things is when those inexperienced people go out on the water with a guide, that guide is traveling in those pods that you're talking about. And one of the things that we teach in my courses or at Paddle Smart is how, how kayakers should be on the water. And one of the things is... Um, you know, the, the rules of the road. So large boats need to go where there's deep water. Kayaks don't really need to go where there's deep water. Um, and when we make crossings, um, an important thing for a kayaker to know is that when you cross, you want to cross directly across a road, just like you would a highway or yeah. a street, and to travel in those pods. So when I'm doing a crossing, I'm looking both ways. I'm making sure nobody's coming. I can judge when a boat's, you know, going to cross my path. And crossing in that group so that the boats don't need to worry about seeing you. It's just like crossing a highway. Um, and as far as those, um, the flags go, there are a bunch of different people that have created some different flags for kayaks. Um, I know our yacht club in Castine is selling some, and they're, all the folks there are, are using them. I, um, I really think that when kayakers learn the rules of the road and they're not out in the middle of the channels where the big boats are, that that doesn't pose a problem. And as far as being seen on radar, um, in the fog, certainly a kayak should be waiting and making sure that nothing's going through. Um, I wouldn't count on being seen on radar. Actually, the uh, Maine Sea Kayak Guides Association, I'm the vice president of our organization, um, we did a radar study with kayaks, and we did find that one of the most visible things that we could be seen on radar was putting aluminum foil in our hats. Because the reality oh. is, is that we're yeah. only three feet off the water, right. so you have to get something that's high enough um, to even be seen on radar. In my Kevlar boat, I've also done tests with some boaters to see if they can see me, and it depends on what angle I'm at. And um, to rely on that is is not the way to go. No, not at all. Holy moly! Um, we have we have one radar on the boat right now, and I'm going to put my other one in this year because. We need to have it on a quarter mile to be able to pick up an individual kayak. And most of the time we're running, when we're running the boat, we're running on a three-quarter mile to a mile and a half. And, um, you know, I want one kayak radar. I mean, we call them speed bumps. But. Hey, hey, hey. hey. <laughs> we won't have that. We're going to bring that up. I've been, I've been kayaking yeah. once. I kayaked under the cat after she hit the boat in Nova Scotia and uh, just to do an inspection 
And um, that was my one kayaking experience. But, yeah, you uh, might try, like, out in the open somewhere. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, I didn't feel comfortable in the kayak. I was out, like, the whole time I felt like I was going to fall over, be trapped upside down. Great, and, right? He's selling trips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little instruction. I'm just saying, that's that what way. it felt like. <laughs> There's different communities out on the water, and they relate to each other in different ways. And, and uh, I'm just thinking that if the kayakers all start wearing Mickey Mouse ears out of tinfoil, they were not going to get more respect from the fishermen. No, no, no. We'll call them speed bumps so. in the first place. But, you know, uh, it is interesting. Like I say, there are a bunch of different people out there. And, uh and think of the coast now, uh, you know, let's watch the water boats whizzing every which way and that. But actually there are more or less roads up and down the coast in the water. There are, there are uh, uh, much traveled paths, um, Fox Island thoroughfare, the Deer Isle thoroughfare. Uh, you know, there are, there are places where you are literally in the middle of the highway mm -hmm. if you are loitering, uh, you know, in the middle of uh, this thoroughfare or that. Right. And, and and a few ways to find out about those highways and that we teach in our courses are, you know, there are buoys in the water. And it's mm. very obvious, you know, there's green and red buoys. And we know where the major boat traffic goes. And if you are in a harbor such as uh, Egmogan Reach or Stonington area or any of those harbors, you can check with locals and figure out what trails the lobstermen are running and what times they're going. Um, so an informed paddler is going to figure yeah. those things out before they go. And so I, I really think it's our job as paddlers to be out of the way of the lobstermen, but also for the lobstermen to be watching for us. And as far as radar goes, I've been on a lobster boat that was running in the fog um, that was watching his radar. And we had a boat come almost on our bow, which was not a kayak. It was another motorboat that couldn't be seen because it was blending in with the island behind it. That so, happen, yeah. yeah, what Eddie's saying about, you know, having a, a narrow range, like a quarter mile, is, is really what we found on our study is that most big boaters are looking at a much wider range. So to actually see something in the fog, they ought to be yeah. changing that radar screen so they can see closer. And in Bar Harbor, the groups... When they cross the channel, they'll do a security call. So that's been a, a big bonus for us, just knowing what they're doing. You know, right. So when we're coming back, because like you said, especially kayaks, they're running close to an island. And if they're just leaving an island, it blends in for a while. Even a group of kayaks just looks like part of the island until it gets away from there a little bit. And um, it's, you know, it's really, really beneficial. If you hear a security call... First thing you're doing is looking, you're keeping an eye on your radar. Right. I immediately switch mine to a quarter mile if I hear a security call. But we also have the problem, too, like the cat, all the boats, fishing boats in Bar Harbor now are all super high speed. You know, you don't want to be playing on a quarter mile the whole time because... Right, you got to see the big boats, too. Yeah, right. You can't yeah. ask where you were yeah, by right. the time you figured out yeah, what you were exactly, looking at. Right. right, and what a security call is, is it's a call when you're going to cross saying where you are and at what point you're going to be in mid-channel. Right. Um, the, the fallacy to a security call, which is a great thing, and certainly we make them in the fog, and, and when the folks in Bar Harbor are making these crossings, it's a great thing to make. Um, but a security call doesn't give you a free pass. You know, I think when people are, when they give one, they have to make sure that someone actually heard it. Mm. You never know who's listening. Uh, further who's to the south of here, if you listen to the radio, uh, everybody and his brother will make one. I'm leaving the dock in yeah, my right, little 19-foot right. uh, yeah, right. fishing boat, and I'm headed out the channel right now. Right. Yeah. Which is great. It's well, great information. Glad to hear it, yeah. you know, yeah. but nobody's plotting you, and hardly anybody's paying attention, so... Yeah. You know, you never assume. Right, basically. so you still have to be looking and making yep. and listening and making sure no one's... 
the oh, ultimate way. rules of the road, don't hit nothing, don't, you know, don't get run over. No. So. Yeah, I say it's a matter of gross tonnage. Yeah. In yeah. a lot of ways, although Light the rules right. of the road, yeah. uh, you know, do exist for a reason. And sometimes uh, it's very good for everybody to know what everybody else is most predictably going to be doing. Right. And sometimes uh, while you you should uh, sometimes insist on your on your uh, uh, rule sometime if it's favoring you so the other guys uh, should know what you're doing. Yeah, and he knows what to expect. Exactly. Again, in my experience uh, to the south of here, you get more inexperienced and uh, unknowledgeable boaters and, and – uh, we do a lot of boat deliveries, and we've seen some just unbelievably rude things out on the water. And just don't get that much down here, you know. Yeah, it's really just a matter of common courtesy. Yeah, yeah. And there's more people down south. That's probably why. Yeah, and as Giffy yeah. Full, who uh, Giffy is uh, the uh, marine surveyor, the uh, senior marine, marine surveyors, we'll say, and Giffy's a sort of permanent guest host of Boat Talk when he's around. Hopefully, he'll be back next month, coming north. In his boat, little gem right now. He went down to Florida, and now he's coming back. Collecting stories. He and the dog and the nice. little, uh, what, 30, 34, 36 foot lobster boat poking up and down the coast. And uh, as Giffy pointed out, there ain't no, not too many good looking boats down there either, let alone, uh, you know. Oh, wait a minute. My dad has a sailboat down there. He, he walked <laughs> up and down. He called us uh, last month from Florida, and he's walking up and down the dock saying, Oh, in Florida, bunch of yeah. Ugly, yeah. but yeah, Florida oh, yeah. does have found an Eldridge yeah. McMinnis, and and that yeah. was you know his only good looking boat in sight there, and he was just moaning the, uh, you oh, know, we, prefab high speed. Yeah, we got like, we got some good looking boats here and some competent people, yeah. and I guess that's because it's a. You know, the place uh, will slap you if you're not competent. And yeah, they do have pretty kayaks down in Florida, though. Yeah, people are. It's really interesting in the South. People paddle pretty uh, high performance. Kayaks. So we were chatting on the phone the other night, and, and let's uh, give the phone number once again so anybody can interrupt us at any time. one 625 9378 We're doing boat talk this morning. We're about halfway done. Uh, we got another half hour or so. But as I was saying to Karen the other day, uh, if you only had to have one boat, I think it would be a kayak. Um, simplest craft, uh, you know, uh, for floating somebody, uh, stable, able. Um, you know, and what a great feedback loop. You got your uh, butt sitting in the boat and you got a paddle. And, uh, you know, just. And a life jacket. And a life jacket. Good point, mm-hmm. uh, Master Guide. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you've got a, a great little feedback loop going there. Just uh, sitting and floating, I think, is inherently relaxing and propelling yourself easily about is. It's just a trip. It's a gas. There's nothing uh, basically more rewarding on a instantaneous basis. Yeah, you're totally part of nature. I uh, I tend to move, but, you know, if you want to float, that's always really <laughs> awesome, too. But, I mean, it, I think it's the best form of exercise because you can go as fast as you want. You can go as slow as you want. And you just have the rhythm of your paddle and the water dripping off your paddle. There's just nothing more in tune with nature than that. Nowhere on the coast of Maine you basically can't go, and then you have the Maine Island Trail Association, uh, yeah, you know, cool. uh, islands that you are you know, can land at and camp on. And, uh, you know, uh, real kayaks are, I was looking for a book as well, and I can't figure the title, and I've searched the library, I can't find it, but uh, it has an, an account of uh, museums over in northern Europe, uh, Scotland, uh, you know, uh, the, the British Isles, 
contain uh, kayaks that washed up there in like the 1200s, 1100s or so, and some of them had live people in them that had drifted over from Greenland. And uh, those live people aren't in the museum. No, though. they're not in the museum still, but the kayaks are. <laughs> and uh, you know, he told me that the other day. You I'm talk like, about an able boat that, as I say, can carry a hunter over from Greenland, and, and he could survive that trip. And there's one uh, little uh, instance in the book there where they find a guy slumped over in his boat on the shore. The locals go down and poke him, and he comes alive, and, and he paddles off so fast they couldn't catch him, <laughs> you know? And uh, as I said, that fellow probably drifted over from Greenland, and, and you think of a boat that would be better able to get him there. So Yeah, and the Inuits travel with their whole families in the kayaks. Yeah. I mean, they would be nomadic, and their family would be there, – there's a beautiful kayak at the uh, Main Center for the Arts in Orono that's an Inuit kayak that is big enough that people – that they could have had the women and, and children right. in the front of it. Yeah, you get your kayaks, and you got uh, the bigger – Umiaks, I think, and uh, there's different categories right. of uh, Umiak is sizes the name of for kayak. Yeah. 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 What's the uh, – is there contact information for the Paddle Smart thing up to the Y in Bangor? The Paddle Smart Safety Symposium, um, if you'd like to see the schedule, you can go to um, W www.castingkayak.com um, On the homepage you could find the link or you can put www.castingkayak.com backslash paddlesmart.htm and that will take you to our schedule. Um, you can also call Epic Sports at 941-5670 for information or you can call Casting Kayak at 866-3506. And we're putting on that event with um, the U.S. Coast Guard um, Al Johnson is the boating safety specialist for the U.S. Coast Guard, and he and uh, Epic Sports, Brad Ryder, who owns Epic Sports, and myself, Casting Kayak, um, put on this event. This is our seventh annual year. And you get a good crowd, and there's we, a bunch of exhibitors there, and people yeah. milling around in boats, and you're all wet in the pool. And, yeah, you know. yeah, we do uh, demonstrations in the pool. Um, we have, in the gym, we have various displays. We have Marine Patrol, Coast Guard, um, Fields Pond Nature Center will be there. Actually, they're doing a um, birding from your kayak slideshow or, or canoe. It's also focused on canoes and kayaks. We, we also do a canoe safety demonstration. Um, and it's really an opportunity for people to learn, you know, what what is their capsize plan? You know, a lot of people, like you were just saying, how awesome it is to go out there and paddle. But you have to kind of prepare for the worst so that you can enjoy the best is, is really what we feel. And so having a capsize plan, even though everyone says, oh, I'm never going to capsize, or you know, sometimes people's capsize plan is, oh, I'll swim to shore. But if you've gone out to that great little island off the main island trail, and it's a mile from shore, two miles from shore, and the wind comes up. Current's running the other way, And too. the tide's mm-hmm. moving, and the waves get going. Now, is that so blissful, and do you have the skills that you need? So uh, we have some... Um, some workshops on that. We're also going to have, we have three slide presentations. We have um, some guys that did a 57-day trip down the Mississippi. Huh. So they're going to be doing a presentation on that. They're, they're just three people, three guys. Um, Tom Sawyer, one of them. <laughs> uh, no, but I, they could become Tom Sawyer. Um, and then we're also having, um, oh, we have uh, Marilyn Turtelot from the Allagash Waterway is doing a um, presentation on paddling the Allagash Wilderness Waterway, which is really awesome. And we also have um, Reinhard Zolich, who does a lot of expedition kayaking and canoeing. He has an outrigger sort of canoe that he has set up. He is going to do a presentation on really planning for a successful trip. So he's really great to hear from. So those are some presentations that are going on. And then Shelly Johnson, who um, has written many um, sea kayaking books. She wrote the Women's Guide to Kayaking and Sea, Kay- sea Kayakers Handbook. 
She's going to do a presentation on choosing the right boat and the right equipment. Um, we also have Jeff Strout, who's the outdoor writer from the Bangor Daily News. He's going to be doing a presentation on transitioning from lake paddling or pond paddling to sea kayaking. Because when you paddle on a lake or a pond, it's really different than when you paddle on the ocean. Because in a lake, which can get really big waves too, and you can be in deep water, um, the water stays relatively where it is. In the ocean, you have tides and currents, so there's a lot more to think about on the ocean. And there's a lot more equipment. You need communication if you're going to make a security call. You've got to have a marine band radio to do it. Um, so we'll have information about all those that things. That has a weather radio on. Yeah. On its, which is really handy to know the weather before you leave for a kayak journey. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> Friday night at the Bangor YMCA. It's on Hammond Street and... Uh, yeah, the 7th Annual Paddle Smart. And it's a free event. Um, we are accepting donations at the door. And this year, we've been lucky enough, Old Town Canoe donated a um, Cayuga Sea Kayak to us, um, which is a 16-foot sea kayak with sealed bulkheads, bow and stern, which we're pretty excited about. And we're raffling that off. So we're selling raffle tickets for, oh, you get one ticket for $3, two tickets for $5, and five tickets for $10. And that is going to raise money for next year's Paddle Smart. So... Uh, you can call us for for those as well if you can't make the event. Um, that really supports our event. So we're speaking of about them that. Uh, unsinkable bulkheads. Uh, Jay Peterson from Rhythm Ranch uh, let us know that this is the 95th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic today. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> they said she'd never go down, and I know? think she had bulkhead problems. She had bulkhead problems. Supposed to trap air, but you know, uh, no plan is perfect on on the water sometimes, and. The uh, phone just flashed here. Maybe it's ringing. Maybe we'll see in a minute, but let's give the phone number once again. Uh, we're doing Boat Talk this morning here on Community Radio, and you can give us a call. one 625 Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. Hi, this is Mark from Ellsworth. Hey, Mark. Morning, Mark. Uh, um, two, two, two questions, one um, an observation, one to consider. Um, I work as a kayak guide in the summer, and the only close call I've ever had was with a um, a yachtsman, a sailboat, uh, doing a crossing, and he didn't have his radio on. And I didn't hear him. You could hear a muscle boat. You can hear a lobster boat. And what can be done to, to ensure that visitors have their radios on? Hmm. Up, you know. Cowbells hanging from the rigging, maybe. <laughs> and the other question I have is about, I think the state, state does a real fine job in training uh, kayak guides. It's very rigorous, strenuous. Um, but I find a lot of the, the people I have worked with, there are kids who come from other parts of the country. I've lived in this area for 20 years. I've sailed Penobscot Bay for 20 years. I've worked as a sternman, and now I work as a kayak guide. And I know the, the water and the seas well. But I worry about some of these young kids that come up, pass the test, and are sent out with people in, and, and run into untoward situations. Do you have any comment on that? Yeah, I do have a comment on that. I think I that I think that um, you know we do have a pretty strong standard of guiding in Maine, and I think that when tourists come up, um, certainly they want to choose outfits that are reputable. And um, we do have a Maine Sea Kayak Guides Association, and one of the one of the uh, tenets of that association is that we do hire experienced guides, and we're not sending kids out. Um, Anyone that that is guiding has to go through, in general, a guide training program, 
and then they are tested by the state. So, and each outfitter runs their own guide training program as well. So I think you're seeing less and less of that. I think that, you know, that that was a problem that it used to be easier perhaps to get your guide's license. I think the industry is is um, pretty reputable in our tourism in Maine. Um, so I don't think you're seeing as much of that going on. I mean, and certainly checking with whomever you're going to go paddling with and see what kind of programs they're running and who their guides are. I think you'll find that many of our sea kayak guides are actually more mature people. Um, you know, people that are, you know, in their thirties or up, um, which actually a lot of our, our paddlers, a lot of our tourists are the 30 something and up crowd actually. Um, and it, what was the first? Oh, the sailboat. I'm curious. So oh, you couldn't see the sailboat? Couldn't hear it, I don't think. Just uh, sailing, just a whoosh. Uh, yeah, you know. but also can't you see it? And if, it, if it's in the fog, then the sailboat should have been doing a foghorn. And you could have had one as well. According to theory, uh, you know, but hardly anybody yeah. does. So that's yeah. just a fact. I believe, actually, as a Coast Guard reg, you are, are supposed to have your radio your VHF on whenever you're underway. In most uh, cruising sailboats, of course, the radar, let alone the radio, are downstairs at the navigation desk when all the people are upstairs in the fog wondering what's going on. Maybe they have a handheld, maybe they have a cockpit radar, radar, but maybe they don't. And you pretty much have to uh, assume that they don't really. And the most important thing is always looking out because even in the fog, I mean, you can see things. If you're coming up to them, a lot of people will just rely on their radar. I've mm. been, I've been on boats where I was in the retired skippers race a couple of years ago in Castine, and you know it's this race where we have a retired skipper on board, and and folks had GPSs and and radar, and they were relying on that, and I was like, you know, eagle eagle eye out there watching, and really you'd see things quicker than you out even in the fog than you would see them in your radar. So to trust all those. Those, That's another thing. That Nowadays, we've got all these toys, this video game that will navigate your boat. But oh, don't yeah. think some people are looking outside of the boat. Some I've, I've repeatedly taken inexperienced people and watched them try to drive the icon on the uh, on the GPS screen to try to turn the boat uh, oh, by yeah. turning the turning the thing on the little icon, you know, which waves around. Uh, oh, right, right. And, uh, you know, uh, their head is not really outside of the boat now, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. And a lot of times people don't even look outside the window. So I always tell kayakers, when you're paddling and you see a boat coming at you, don't assume that that guy sees you at mm-hmm. all because yeah. they're not even looking outside you the boat. You never know what's going on on that boat. A classic story was in the fog. I was on... Um, on a motorboat, and the, the 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 captain was running, looking at his GPS, which he had plotted a course directly to my dock in Castine. Unfortunately, there's a really large boat. We have the state of Maine, which is the training <laughs> vessel for the Maritime Academy, that was not that was in our straight line. Boat. Yeah, so uh, um, yeah, you got to kind of plot your course around things and mm. look out the window. Yes, the we, phone is ringing here this morning, so I guess we got to answer some calls. Let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. It's uh, Jay Peterson, your your uh, your, oh. your your maudlin uh, uh, Swedish meatball, reminding you about the anniversary there. But uh, I just wondered if you guys would be so kind as to uh, mention this event that's coming up Friday night and put it down in the uh, in our little uh, well-worn book there that we keep in the studio. So that I can let people know about this uh, that may have, that may uh, be missing this show, I can let I can let folks know on my show coming up Friday because I think it's Rhythm Ranch it's really 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 a great event, especially uh, 
for those people like me that come from freshwater country and get a kayak and decide that, gee, going across the Agamagan Reach might be a fun thing to do, and uh, I, I can only attribute it to, to just dumb luck that I, I survived my first crossing of the Agamagan Reach because uh, oh my gosh, I, I didn't know me. I didn't know all about this stuff that there were that when I moved here that there were. Uh, there were lobster boats that were coming and going at certain times out of the Benjamin River Harbor, and I was in the way. Yeah, well, Not you know... Not to mention just deep, deep, dangerous water that I had no business being in, and I just can't say uh, enough about how important it is to pay attention uh, to safety. You get a new toy, and you want to get out and... and uh, and be a sea captain right away, and then there, there are things to learn, and I still have things right. to learn. Well, that's really good that you say that, because and it, it would be great if you mentioned it on your show. Um, and one of the most important things is having the right boat for the right location, because we're talking about you know visibility and all those things, but a lot of people will get these recreational boats that don't have bulkheads, and they'll put them out in front of their camp or at the ocean, or they'll go out on Eggmog and Reach, and they'll think, oh, it's a big, stable boat, and it'll never capsize, but... Any boat can capsize, even, you know, a big sailboat or these catamarans we're talking about, any boat can capsize. But when a, when a kayak capsizes, if it doesn't have bulkheads, you, it will swamp. It won't sink. It'll swamp. And that's one of the things that I really model at Paddle Smart. And people will look at me with just big eyes like, oh, my gosh, I never knew that would happen. And, and the scary thing is, is people get these boats and put them out and lend them to people who don't know how to use them. And they don't have safety equipment. They don't have a way to get back into the boat. They don't have a pump to pump the water out of the boat. And then they're at risk. And we do lose people. We have had people die. And generally, it's from hypothermia, from not being able to get out of the water. And it's it's based on not, not knowing that your boat didn't belong there. If I was, I'm a really experienced kayaker. I can roll my boat. I can do lots of things in my boat. But if I was in the wrong boat in the ocean water that didn't have bulkheads and I capsized it, there's no way I could get back in it. So having the right boat and having the right clothing are really, really important things. Well, thanks, we... for, thanks very much for your program. I'll let you get back to it. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Jay. We have uh, Karen Francoeur here this morning. She's a Master Main Sea Kayak Guide, the Castine uh, Kayak Adventures. And also, Eddie Monet, a diver ed from over to Bar Harbor. We've got to get to what, what diver ed does, but there's somebody else waiting on the phone, too. So <laughs> We're going to have to make this Diver ed is show. really cool. Diver ed's got a good trip. We'll get to that in a minute, but somebody's on the phone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You're on Boat Talk. This is Dan from Rockport. Hi, Dan. Did, did somebody on that show just say that they they have a radar downstairs in their boat? Well, and, and uh, <laughs> where, where where was that? Downstairs. Downstairs. No, there's no downstairs. It's a five-story boat. boat. <laughs> it's next next to the bathroom. <laughs> okay, in the cellar. Yeah. <laughs> One of my uh, fisherman buddies, he didn't like to go. I used to take him on deliveries. He called it the cave down there. He didn't like to go downstairs <laughs> into the cave. Oh, that's classic. Oh, anyway. But he liked to have all the good food and the beer come up from the cave. But that's, yeah. uh, that was another story for... <laughs> And there were some mutinies involved, but uh, we're not going to go there. But, yeah, downstairs, you know what I'm saying, at the, sure, sure. Uh, at the navigation desk. Yeah. I just, I just had one, one comment there I, 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 about your about keep saying that uh, give security calls and stuff. And I'm not exactly sure how these security calls work, but I think it's supposed to be the big boats that give the security calls, the boats that are not... Uh, quickly maneuvered and all that, but I think it's a slippery slope when you start publicizing that 
kayak should give security calls because I think I think one of you guys did say that once you start that, every Tom, Dick, and Harry is going to start giving a security call, and it's really not. That's really not the function of it. I don't think. I think a security call is a call to let someone know. Um, it's it's a it's a notice. You're making a notice. So for a kayaker in the <clears> fog <throat> to make a security call and say, I'm crossing from point A to point B, the reason for the call is to see, is someone in the area? So you're, it, it's, it's an informational call. I mean, obviously, you don't want everybody calling all the time. I mean, every time I go somewhere, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm leaving Dennett's Wharf Dock now and anybody around. But um, when you're in the fog and you're doing a large crossing, you want to see if there's anybody out there. And there, de- you know, there definitely are fallacies to the security call. I had a, um, one of our boat captains in Castine come into the harbor once and told me that he had heard a kayaker call a security call off of um, Rockland Breakwater. And, right. you know, saying, you know, I've got six kayaks and we're, we're crossing. Um, and he called the guy and said, you know, there's five boats behind me and none of them are on the radio. So... So what yep. happened with that was it was good information. You know, had those kayaks just crossed without making the call, they wouldn't have known that those boats were, were coming. I guess. But so I, I think I, there is value to it. I, I, it may be value, but, but you've got to think of how many people have to hear that. And if everybody does it every day in the fog, you, the, the radio is going to be useless. I think, I think in the, the fog, a radio is, is pretty important. No, no, I know, but but it, but if too much information is going to be useless because you can't. If everybody, every Tom, Dick, and Harry gives a security call, then that's all that's going to be on the radio, and we're going to turn into Boston Harbor. As I say, quickly. you cruise to the south, southern to here, and you listen to the radio, and you'd be there's a lot of it. It's yeah, a, right. it's a surprising volume, and again, mm-hmm. uh, we we. We joke. Then, we say, people, glad to hear that. We're, yeah. What was that again? Uh, we'll and just joke if yeah. we do hear it. <laughs> yeah, and then people, I think people hear too many of them, then they shut their radio off because it's just too much. And yeah. they don't want, they're not out there to listen to all that garbage. Yeah. But I think really a security calls for the ship coming down the bay, uh, the big vessel entering a harbor, and it's up to the small vessels, the kayaks, to stay out of the way, basically. Uh, you know, it's... It, it, Everybody has their rights, but if you don't have any rights away that you really don't in a kayak, I mean, it's all about staying out of the way and, and watching out. Well, again, it is a matter of gross tonnage. I mean, for sure, kayaks should give way. A lot of people ask Absolutely. which boat has the right of way. And kayaks need to give way, but big boats need to know that they're there. And at times right. the kayaks are crossing, and it's, I think it's good information. Certainly as a guide, when you're responsible for, for people, um, giving a security call when you're thinking of crossing in the fog is a good way to reach out and see who's out there. Thanks for your, thanks for your call this morning, Dan. We uh, move the phone keeps ringing here, and I'm panicked. We won't get dive, dive red story here, so let's oh, answer right. the phone again. See what's going on. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hey, good morning, Sydney from Dover Foxcroft. Morning, morning. Sid. Hey, do, uh, doesn't anybody make a small uh, battery powered uh, radar transponder that would be suitable for kayaking and? Any other, uh, you know, like wooden boats and sailboats and stuff? I'm telling you, the industry is fresh. You could, you could invent that, and you could make all kinds of money. 
<laughs> okay. Yep, there's the opportunity is there. I'm thinking you could make a a baseball cap with reflective panels in it, in the cap. I, well, yeah, I, we've I, looked at that. I mean, there, this is there's I, a lot of invention. Like a radar reflector, just mount it right on top. Yeah. I was thinking of of your corner reflectors, but then I thought in a kayak out out in the wind and you you're paddling. That's maybe not what you want. My other que- I have another dumb little question. Uh, if you had a twin hulled um, working type <laughs> fishing boat. Wouldn't you have two engines and two props, and then what would you do when one went bad? Um, again, uh, in circles. it does have two <laughs> engines, but the uh, it's an out it's an out jet drive in the hull, and it's uh, shooting a jet of water out either I'll the forward e- or the back end of the hull, and uh, that uh, there's no gear, no uh, no propellers, no uh, rudders in the water, so to speak. So, so you could go on one if you had to. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could. Okay. Yeah, you could Thank you steer and compensate. All right, we still have one more call. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. I'd just like to make a comment about the what appears to be the right of people in motorized vehicles to trash people on public waterways or public highways because they're not in as big a boat or they don't have a motor. And I'd just like to say that the, the commons, the ocean, the seaways um, are obviously public right-of-ways, and if I'm in a sailboat uh, or a paddle-powered boat, I have just as much right to use that as anybody else does. Absolutely. Yes. The rules of the road apply to the people and the kinds of crafts they're in, and, yeah, and I do think that people who are working for a living out there do a great job of being respectful and careful. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people who are recreationally motorboating who are rude son of a guns and uh, nice nice catch there uh, and <laughs> I just I just like to put that out that I have just as many rights <clears throat> in my, my paddle boat or my sailboat as the guy who's burning fossil fuels absolutely it's all a matter of courtesy all the way across I mean when you're um, when you're uh, my, my speaker's going funny mine does too pay no attention to that okay, okay. Um, you know, I, I mean, we've tried to, Maskey has put together a whole sign that we'd like to get out about, you know, boat, boat launch courtesy. And, you know, when you're, when you're setting up your kayak, you don't want to spread your stuff all over the place. But the same with when you're setting up your motorboat and putting it in the water. Um, you know, it's having courtesy. And the same with on the water. And the reality is, is sometimes in Casting Harbor, which is my harbor that I know really well, we'll get people that will rent boats, kayaks, for instance, and they'll be paddling in the middle of the channel which is really the only place that the motorboats and the sailboats can be. So there is that level of courtesy knowing where the big boats are. It's like riding be. your bike on the center line. Yeah, the basically. highway. You just, you know. And isn't it analogous to the, the SUV and the bicycle? Uh, same respect with the, uh, you know, the big uh, bay liner and the kayak there, you know? Right. In right. a way. So we all have rights to the to the environment, but the reality is I always try to tell people in kayaks is the beauty of a kayak is we can get in really close to shore and we can see the little nooks and crannies that everyone else can't see. So why would we want to just be out in the middle, in the middle of where their traffic is? And if you look at a chart, you can see where the big boats are going to go because they all follow very specific pathways. Thanks for your call this morning. Now, we got to plug what Diver Ed does. Uh, Diver Ed does tourist uh, tourist boat rides over to Bar Harbor, but with a kind of a neat twist on it, uh, Diver Ed. Uh, why they call you that, Ed? Well, because I'm an underwater superhero. Why else? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's got his Adventures of Diver Ed and Mini Ed uh, t-shirt on, which is a cartoon panel there. And 
Yeah, yeah. Ed's got Diver good... Ed is a cartoon. You should see him right now. <laughs> uh, a little, little dreadlocked up here, yeah. and you know, uh, got a big smile on his face, and seems far, seems like a nice armless yeah. fella. Yeah. <laughs> Diver Ed runs the coolest program. He goes out of Bar Harbor and he takes people on a boat, and then he dives off the boat. And he's down underwater while you're watching on a movie screen what he's doing underwater. And so he's going down there and he's finding little creatures and he has a little diver with him who talks to the creatures. And, and then when he comes up, you get to check out all the, all the creatures on the boat. He brings them up and it's like a, a real live touch tank. Thanks for the intro. Oh, that I just perfect. love you. I just I love you. That's a great awesome. commercial, man. Yeah, I love it. I, you, actually, people can describe what I do way better than I can because uh, yeah. they're the ones that are having the experience. Oh, it's the uh, best experience for kids and grown-ups and older people. It's great. Thank yeah. you. And Diver Ed's out of the uh, College of the Atlantic dock there, and, and uh, I bet business is good in the summertime. Yeah, business is great. The weather's good. We do all right. And sometimes when it's really foggy, we do all right, too. Because as soon as the whale boats cancel their trips, people are sometimes still looking for something to do. So that helps us a little bit, too. And it's not foggy underwater. No, our trip is awesome. Actually, believe it or not, a foggy day for us can be a lot better than a nice day. We we use an LCD projector, and we have a six-foot screen on the boat. And on its dark out, there's less light loss, and the colors are just like people that get off of a foggy trip and stuff are like, Oh, I mean, people are always amazed by what they see, but it's just amazing the color that's down there. So many people think, and, you know, they look into the main waters, and it's murky and green, and they think there's nothing to see. I mean, I can be diving with only five feet of visibility and show you guys stuff that you wouldn't even, couldn't even imagine, you know, on top of the fact that it's pretty. It's, there's just amazing sea creatures there, and, of course, everyone loves giant attack lobsters and things like that too but still it's uh even the little things are just totally the unbelievably cool and then and even just watching a, a a whole pile of barnacles feeding and stuff yeah. you don't even know about like hydroids and things are just totally cool we have uh these amazing things like uh, stock jellyfish that attach to the kelps and stuff and they have these balls of tentacles just going around grabbing stuff and it's something no one a normal person just won't even see you could swim right right, no, by, right through tons of them and not even know it's there but because i know what i'm looking for right. i f- i frame the picture and they're you're forced to watch the really cool thing you're sharing <laughs> sharing the hidden yeah. world and then we bring them up and you know in my favorite part like I mean, what Karen's saying about people having a really good time. My favorite part of the whole trip is just everyone else is having such a good time. When I bring out the animals and start talking about them and passing them around, there's nothing cooler than watching a kid hold a slimy cucumber oh, yeah. for the first time and water starts shooting out of its anus. And, you know, it's just really <laughs> cool. Really cool. <laughs> Sometimes poop comes out too, but biological usages are permitted uh, by FCC regulations. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, we're doing boat talk here this morning. We about run it out of time, but as I told uh, Ed and Karen, our guests here this morning, uh, goes pretty quick and usually pretty good time. So, yeah, we'd like to thank everybody that helped this morning. And uh, you know, it has uh, boat talks just a gas. So hopefully, Giffy Full will be back next month and. Uh, we uh, will be talking about electrolysis. We're going to have to talk about the oh, cool. uh, Penobscot Marine Museum. Hopefully, we can even make electrolysis interesting and yeah. fun. You know, yeah, yeah. sort of up to us, you know. And uh, so, anyway, you never know around Botox. The phone is still ringing here, but uh, we have we have, have basically run out. I have of time. to jump in, and make one quick announcement for anybody who wants to see something pretty amazing and go to the Botox.org website. Our Botox 
own little website. There's a picture of a, a, a 2,000 horsepower inflatable. How many outboards? Eight. Lined up. Eight, eight 250 horsepower And what's the purpose motors. of so many outboards? This was a drug run. Ah! <laughs> of course. Check it out. BoatTalk.org. Stay yep. tuned for uh, Jim Pahoosh coming up next here on Community Radio at WERU-FM Blue Hill 89.9, 102.9 in Bangor. Thank you, Karen and Eddie. This hour of Boat Talk is made